who knows that it should be fun to be in the house of the Lord? Because where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is joy. So it is, it is like on the lach in the kerk. Amen? Amen. Um, and so I want to I encourage you this morning, the word that the Lord put on my heart this morning, I was like, Lord, this is a bit of a, an interesting word. But I felt the Lord speak it to me in the season of trusting the Lord to do what He said He will do. Do you know those times in your life where you've, you're a believer, you know God's promises are true, but then when it comes time to really believe it and to take a step of faith, you start to realize, ooh, do I really believe what the Lord says He will do? Like, at what level is my faith, and at what level do I really trust the Lord that He will be good for me? Because it's easy to hear someone else's testimony and go, yay, Jesus, He's so faithful, that's amazing. But then when you have to trust the Lord for the same thing, is there anyone with me this morning? I think we all, we all go through those seasons, eh? And so the Lord reminded me of this thing, of guarding your heart of guarding your heart. And when you think about the topic of guarding your heart, and I'll go deeper into this this morning, but the more I studied this, the more I realized that this is probably one of the most important spiritual disciplines we can grow in and apply in our day-to-day walk with the Lord to make sure that we get to our destiny. One of the most important spiritual disciplines And this is something you will never learn in the world. You will not learn this in the world because this is a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom principle that we understand what our heart is. I'm going to start with this scripture, and everyone knows it. We all quote it all the time, but we are going to take a different direction with it this morning. If you've got your Bibles or a new vision, you can turn to Proverbs 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. And it says this in the New Living Translation, guard your heart above all else. Everyone say all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all things, for it determines the course of your life. In the Amplified, it says, watch over your heart with all due diligence. For from it flows the springs of life. In the NIV, I'm going to take you through every translation. In the NIV, it says, everything you do flows from here. Everything we do. In the Passion, it says, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. That's actually a scary scripture. If we think of the concept of guarding your heart, and I want to make this statement, and I believe it's true, I want to make this statement, if you're taking notes, the condition of your heart will determine the course of your life. The condition of your heart, what goes on inside of this thing called your heart, and we're going to talk about what my heart is, will determine the course of your life. There are believers and Christians in this world that have missed their entire destiny because they never learned how to guard their heart. And so I want to encourage us. The Lord really stretched me in this area, and he said, 
as a leader, as a pastor, above all, you need to guard your heart. If I allow my heart to just go in whatever direction it wants to, I will miss what the Lord has for me. I will miss the Lord's leading in my life. And at the end of the life, the life, my life, when I stand before Jesus, will I, can say, will I be able to say confidently, Lord, I did what you asked me to do? Or will I regret because I never guarded my heart? And so, what is our heart? First, I want to start with our natural heart. So we know our natural heart that's probably the most important organ in your body. I mean, would we agree? I'm no doctor. If, are there any doctors in the house? Nurses? Okay. So then you will just believe me then. Okay. So our heart is the center of our physical being. We know this. And even as I, we've got many of our, our friends who are pregnant now. And, you know, when I listen to their stories and I see their little photos of the little, you know, feeders and the little baby starting to grow, you know the first thing? that a, a fetus has is a heartbeat. Before there's a brain, before there's a fingerkie of a twinkie, there's a heartbeat. The heart is where it starts, I mean? So the same way our physical heart is the most important part of our physical being, it pumps the blood, the oxygen, and the nutrients to the rest of our organs, the same way our spiritual heart is the center of our spiritual being. Your spiritual heart, and this is what the word says in Greek, Cardia. Who's ever heard of the Greek word cardia? Cardia means this. It speaks of the figurative heart. It means the center of our being, the inner life of man, the center of our will, our emotions, our thoughts, our character, our desire, and our intentions. Think about that. Your spiritual figurative heart is everything that you are on the inside. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. In other words, that's why, that's why we speak about our thought life so often, because this is, your heart is, is connected to my thoughts. It's part of my inner life. Who I am on the inside is who I really am. We can polish ourselves beautifully on the outside. And you know, if you read through the Bible, particularly all the time, the Lord says, Man may look at the outside, but I look at the heart. I mean, if I looked at David, all I can think about was the story with Bathsheba, okay? He had committed adultery. He murdered her husband, but the Bible says God called him a man after his own heart. David obviously dealt with all of those things, but I mean, I'm just saying, to make the point, the Lord looks at the heart. He looks at what's going on on the inside. And many times we might be able to carry ourselves in a certain way on the outside, but what is going on on the inside? And I want to ask us this morning, this is what the Lord asked me a while back, how is your heart? Who is your heart? That is what the Lord is concerned about. Amen? Everything in life stems from this heart. Our words comes from this place. Our emotions come from this place. Our thoughts come from that place. All of our actions and our behavior, good or bad, comes from this place. Jesus said, it's not on the screen, but you can look in your Bibles. In Matthew 15, verse 18, Jesus said, it is what comes out of the mouth that proceeds from the heart. And that is what defiles a person. 
He was talking to the Pharisees who were concerned about their outside rituals. They had to cleanse themselves by washing of hands, and they had all these rituals to cleanse themselves on the outside. And Jesus said, it doesn't matter what you do on the outside. It is what, what defiles you is what comes from within, what's happening in here. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Okay. So the Bible says we need to guard our heart. And I remember when I first became a Christian, I had beautiful uh, pastors. I had a beautiful network. I had a great home cell leader. I had team leaders. I was on four or five teams. I had like enough leaders to, you know, keep me accountable. And they would always ask me, are you guarding your heart? And it always confused me. I never understood what that meant. When someone says, guard your heart or how is your heart? I didn't understand what they were talking about. But again, when you do a Bible study, that word God in Proverbs that we were talking about, in the Hebrew, it's the word Natsar. Natsar. And it means to guard, to protect, to maintain, and to watch carefully like a guard, like a prison guard. In other words, it's to be able to have an awareness of what am I allowing to come inside of my heart. And to also know, once it's inside, what is in there, so that I can allow the Holy Spirit to help me to deal with it. Because if I don't deal with, and we're going to talk about the difference between seeds and weeds, if I don't deal with the weeds that are in my heart, it'll take me off course. It will cause my heart to be calloused, you know, to harden. And when my heart hardens, I cannot receive anything of spiritual nature. And what scared me in a beautiful way, convicted me, is, is a better word. Let's not say scared, okay? We don't have a spirit of fear, amen? What convicted me was that a hard heart is not necessarily only unbelievers. I mean, we know as believers, we can harden our hearts, or our hearts can become hardened in certain areas of our life. And that is the reason why many people are struggling to receive in certain areas. And we're looking for the problem when we're looking for the problem, but the problem is in the heart. And sometimes that is painful. But if we don't allow the Lord to come into those painful areas, we will never be able to walk in that freedom and walk in that leadership of the Holy Spirit that He desires for us. Amen? Amen. So our heart is the gateway to who we are and what we become. And it is like a garden. Okay, so I always joke about the garden. You know, I'm not much of a gardener. Okay, So Jason has been with us and given us advice on our garden. And when Jason comes to our garden, sometimes what happens is in our garden, because we are often busy, we sometimes neglect the time zubiki. I mean, I do water. I do water a lot. But... The weeds, I don't always pull them out, okay? So I'm, I'm just confessing that now in front of the church. I don't always pull out the weeds. But what happens to your garden? When you till the soil, when you prepare the soil to sow your seeds for your lemon tree or your where's jog with these strawberries, whatever you want to plant, your, your chili plankies, when you prepare the soil, who knows that the soil is also prepared to grow weeds? The weeds often grow with the seeds. But if you're a good gardener, you will regularly, if you want your plants to grow, and if you want the harvest to come from your seed, 
You will want to get rid of the weeds. Amen? I don't know. That's what gardeners tell me. Okay, you want to get rid of that. A good gardener removes the weeds regularly so it doesn't choke or prevent the seeds from growing and harvesting what it is supposed to harvest. Now, it's the same way with the garden of our hearts, the soil of our hearts. Our heart's condition depend on what we allow inside of it. And if we don't deal with it regularly and allow the Holy Spirit to remove those weeds, it'll become calloused, it'll become hard, and it's not impossible for the Lord to deal with it, but it will be more painful and it will be harder for us to deal with it. Okay. The condition of our heart and the harvest that it produces is our responsibility. Solomon was the wisest man, and he wrote these words, and he said, God, your heart. I'm not responsible to God Johannes's heart. He's not responsible to God my heart. We can keep each other accountable, but it's my responsibility and it's your responsibility to God your own heart. No one is going to do it for us. Amen? So this is something we have to own. And I want to read a passage to you, and it's a longer one, but it's a good one. If you want to turn to Mark 4... And if you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to go there. Because sometimes it's one thing to listen to me to read it on the, on the screen, but it's another thing if you can read it yourself and the Holy Spirit highlights something to you. Mark 4, and we're going to start in verse 3. And we all know the parable of the sower. Okay, so Jesus is telling a parable, and what he is trying to explain to them is the different soil where seeds are sown. But he's talking about hearts. He's talking about their hearts. And so he first tells the parable, and then he explains it. So why don't we read it together? And it says, Jesus says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And so his disciples go, oh, Lord, what does that mean? We don't understand. And he says, he says to them, he almost rebukes them in a way, and he said, if you don't understand this parable, that is the basic foundation that I need you to understand, you will not understand any of the other parables that will follow. And so in his mercy, he explains to them. And we can start reading again in verse 14. And it says, the sower sows the word. So what am I doing this morning? I am sowing the word into our hearts. And I'm included. My soil is also important. I can't preach to you what I'm not preaching to myself. So I'm sowing the seeds of the word this morning. But each seed that goes out this morning from this pulpit lands in different soils all around this room. And some of us, the seed will produce a crop. And some of us, maybe the seed will not produce a crop yet because there's an area on our heart that God wants to touch this morning. 
And you know, as I was praying and as I was preparing, I said, Lord, what is it that you want to do in our church? What is it that is on your heart for this morning? And I literally saw, like, who's ever heard of that movie, Finger of God? Finger of God. I saw God's finger touching hearts this morning. And it could be all of us. All of us can have something in our heart somewhere that God wants to just gently touch his finger on and say, this is an area I want to soften. This is an area where I want to pull out a little weed. Because if I don't, if you don't allow me to do it, the seed will not produce the crop. The seed will not produce the harvest that I want to produce in your life. And so I'm going to help you this morning to guard your hearts, I felt like the Lord say. Okay, verse 14. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these, likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And then they have no root in themselves, and so endures only for a time. But when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And the third one is, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And lastly, but these are the ones who sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and it bears fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And so, obviously, Jesus is talking about four different types of soil where the seed is sown. So the first one is the seed by the wayside. And oftentimes that can, be, that can represent unbelievers. That's why I always encourage people when we, when we want to preach to someone who doesn't know Jesus, something wise to do is to pray for the Lord to prepare their hearts. Because if, the, if their hearts are not prepared and their hearts are totally hardened against the Lord and against His Word, the seed will just bounce off. Who's ever preached to someone who just doesn't want to know anything about Jesus? Kagiso, been there, done that, still learning my lesson. Their hearts are not yet prepared to receive. So we can pray, always pray before we share the gospel with someone. Okay, their hearts need to be prepared. But it can also even be believers sometimes. I heard a story of, I was telling Johannes last night, I, I read this um, book by a well-known uh, minister of the word in America, and he was telling a story about an Indian missionary in the 1900s or sometime long ago. And this guy had an incredible ministry in India. He would be in a room full of people, I think much larger than our church right now, and every single service, there would be miracles, there would be healings, there would be prophecy, there would be the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, this is so crazy. It's like... 100% healing of every single person who had raised their hand to pray. The faith, their hearts were so ready to receive the word of faith that miracles just happened. The harvest was a hundredfold all the time. He felt in his heart to go to America, from India to America. And I think he sailed by boat. It was obviously a long time ago. I don't think they were, I don't know. Did they fly in the 1900s? Is he Soviet? Near. Okay, so probably both. Nevertheless, that's not the point of the story. He went to New York, and when he was in New York, the story goes that he walked around for 30 minutes in the city, and he canceled, he went to his team, and he canceled the whole ministry gig, and he said, these people's hearts are hard. 
They will not listen to a word that I say. They are not open to receive the gospel. And I said, Johannes, that made me think so much. I was like, wow, Lord. So even, even sometimes believers, we can harden our hearts to receive the word that we need because we are busy. By the wayside. You know, in the Bible, if, if I'm throwing seeds by the wayside, it means it's on the path where many people walk. And many of us are sowing seeds where many people walk, but they're too busy for the seeds to even land on the soil of their hearts. I'm too busy. I'm too distracted with the things of this world. I can be busy, but there will be a price that I will pay. The seed will never germinate in my life. The second one was the stony heart. Okay, so that's a rocky heart. The seed can't go deep. The seed falls. I'm even happy to receive the seed. But because I don't have roots yet with the Lord, because my roots are not down deep, the moment tribulation comes, the moment things get a little bit hectic and I now need to step out in faith and now I need to trust the Lord and now I need to stand on His Word and I don't have no roots, the sun comes. In other words, the persecution comes or the tribulation comes and it burns away the seed. It had no depth in the soil. The thorny heart, that's an easy one. It's the cares of this world, worries, anxiety, fear, or the deceitfulness of riches. My whole life's pursuit is around finances and money. There's no place for the seed. It chokes the seed. If I'm constantly worried, I'm constantly fearful, I'm constantly struggling with depression and anxiety, and I don't allow the Lord to heal that, it'll choke the seed. Those are weeds that will choke the seed in my heart. And then there's good news, there's good soil. Fertile soil, healthy, pure hearts that receive his word and that grow a harvest. Now, what is a hardened heart? A hardened heart spiritually is like we said before, it's somewhere inside of our heart. We've left a weed or two or three a little bit too long and it started to form a little callus. You know, and it grows by time. You don't have a hard heart overnight unless you decide. <laughs> but... Usually, for most of us, we don't often realize because we've never learned how to guard our heart, so we don't even realize something. We didn't even see that weed come in, and we didn't even see it grow. But that's a hardened heart. It forms a callus metaphorically. It leads us to a place of spiritual deafness and blindness. There's a story, if you want to turn to your Bible. It's not on the screen, but as we were in worship, I was reminded of this as well. In Mark 8, so just go on four chapters, and Jesus is doing incredible miracles. Jesus is feeding 4,000, 5,000, he's feeding the multitudes, and the disciples are learning about faith. They are learning, they are walking with Jesus day in and day night, you know, and they are learning literally how Jesus does miracles. They are learning to trust his word when he says something, he will do it, all of that. And then it comes Jesus had just fed 4,000 people. Okay. So then in verse 13, it says, He left them and getting into the boat again departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Okay. And then Jesus said to them, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, that's another teaching, but basically Jesus was warning them against the false teaching of the Pharisees. But verse 16, it says, but they reasoned among themselves, is he saying this because we didn't pack the bread? 
And they are very confused. They reasoned. But verse 17, it says, Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Is your heart still hardened? Now I thought, okay, why is he telling the disciples, is your heart still hardened? And I've read probably 10 commentaries about this scripture because I wanted to understand if I'm making my own assumption or what are people actually saying. And you know, 100% of scholars says that scripture, is your heart still hardened, refers to their ability to believe that Jesus says who he is, he says he is, and that he will do what he said he will do. Because he had told them and shown them he is the God of miracles. Is your heart still hardened? In other words, are you becoming spiritually deaf and blind in here? That's why you can't believe and you're reasoning about bread, but you've just seen me multiply. How are you now wondering, do you not remember, another translation says, do you not remember what I've just done? So it even talks about faith. It even talks about unbelief. And it can happen to all of us unless we allow the Lord to deal with the weeds in our hearts. But if we guard our heart, we will avoid falling into those traps. What are some of the things that can garden, oh, that can garden our hearts? Hallelujah. What are some of the things that can harden our hearts? What are some of the things that you and I need to be so attentive to and that we, be need, we need to be so watchful over? Like a prison guard. By the way, a prison guard. The other night we were watching a documentary on, you know, the prison uh, Alcatraz there by San Francisco. And we watched this documentary of people, I don't know how long ago it was, like in the... 50s or 60s, I don't know if anyone remembers that, and they escaped Alcatraz. And there's photos of them that they found in some other country, I think it wasn't Mexico, but I don't know, somewhere South America, that these guys are still alive. They actually survived, if you know how long that stretch of ocean is to get to the next island. I just thought that was fascinating. But how did they get away? The guards were not on guard. Just something extra. Okay, I just thought that was fascinating. Okay, what are some of the things that we need to guard against? What do we need to be so watchful over? Things like jealousy. Things like offense. I think one of the biggest diseases today among believers, I'm not talking about people in the world, that's not our concern. The number one thing that we need to be concerned about as believers is offense. I, I think we preached on it just after COVID, but I, I, I don't know, many of you might feel the same way this morning, but I am shocked at the amount of offense that believers carry around and walk around. I mean, I'm not even going to go there in COVID. The unspiting, the die, the die. I mean, Christians were slandering, they were gossiping, they were killing each other on social media because of offense. And so that's a huge, huge thing, offense. I'm so preaching to myself this morning. Resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, aggression, anger, even things like entitlement. Do you know entitlement can creep in very quickly? Oh, but I am owed this. I am owed. I'm supposed to have this entitlement. It's about me. Complaining, grumbling, gossiping. Gossiping. 
We love to talk about other people. Gossiping, emotional pain. There's even things like emotional pain, okay? This is not something that we could necessarily prevent, but we need to get the Holy Spirit in there to allow us. In Jesus' name. To allow us to be healed. Emotional pain. Trauma. Unbelief. Okay, so these things, these are like weeds, and this will literally be like, you know when your arteries in your heart are blocked? That can lead to a heart attack. Now it's the same way that these weeds block our figurative heart, block our emotional heart, and if we don't deal with those wounds, it will fester and it will grow. Okay, so that is what can happen. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus is there. Jesus died on the cross for us to be healed. Jesus died on the cross, as Johanna spoke so beautifully last week, for us to receive emotional healing, for us to have His Spirit today, where His Holy Spirit is the one that will help us to guard our hearts. All we need as believers is to make a constant decision, and this is where the Lord challenged my heart, to make a daily decision to submit to the Holy Spirit's guidance in this area. Do not ignore when there is something, when I notice there is something in my heart, and it doesn't even matter how it got in there. What matters is, Lord, help me to get rid of this. Lord, help me to deal with this. Even if it's painful, Lord, help me to find a place of healing. And so I want to talk about how do I guard my heart? How do I guard my heart? Why don't you go to Psalm 139? Psalm 139, verse 23. It says this, Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And so number one, how do I guard my heart? This is what the Lord really spoke to me, is daily have a checkup with the Holy Spirit. You know how you go to the doctor for a heart checkup? Daily we want to go to the Holy Spirit for a heart checkup. And this is probably the hardest thing, but this, this becomes a spiritual discipline. This becomes a habit when we start to walk closely and closer with the Lord, where on any given day, and I've learned this especially in ministry on any given day, and all of us can face this. Maybe you get to work tomorrow morning, and even before you get to your first email, someone says something that just hurts your heart. Or someone says something that you just, you know, and it's something you don't like, or something that hurts you, or something that's just, that's really unfair, and immediately something comes into my heart. Someone disappoints you. A situation disappoints you. Something happens that, you know, you didn't see it go this way. Maybe you were trusting and hoping for something to go the other way. And you find yourself, your heart just in a place of disappointment. Or your heart just in a place of being saddened by it. You know, there could be a hundred examples of what we can talk about. What I've learned with the Lord is that's a good time to really say, Holy Spirit, I'm feeling very disappointed right now. And it's a place of literally, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our counselor. Sometimes you're in a season of life where you have no one else, but you know you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. The Holy Spirit is there every single minute of the day, and He is always available 
to show us. And you know, he's gentle. He's kind. He's full of mercy and he's full of love. And all it takes for us to make sure that we get that weed out is, Lord, I'm bringing this disappointment before you this morning. Can you please help me to remove this and to heal my heart? Because sometimes it's easy to say something, Lord, help me with disappointment or help me with this fear or help me with my offense. I was really hurt by what this person did. I was offended. It's okay to acknowledge it. We all get offended. But what is important is if we can go to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I repent of even holding on to this thing and I give it back to you and I ask, Lord, please make my heart soft towards this person. Please make my heart soft toward this this." Um, situation. Bring it before him and then listen for his voice. Repentance is something that will keep our hearts soft. And all it takes is for us to bring it to the Lord. And that's where it starts. Okay, and sometimes it takes a while for our hearts to get healed. That is okay. What is important is we need to take that first step. Number one of guarding my heart, I must pursue a daily heart checkup with the Holy Spirit. Number two, something that I've noticed for myself is I can quickly notice, if I ask the Holy Spirit regularly to make me attend to it, is to be very watchful over what comes out of my mouth. What emotions am I feeling? If I'm constantly talking negatively, if I find myself in a place where I just want to complain all the time, who's been there? I've been there. Yes, man, alles blau, my man. I can't claw with alles. I just want to complain about everything. I just feel like grumbling all the time. I'm excited about nothing. I'm not thankful for anything. I just want to complain. Okay, that's a red flag. That's an indicator to say, oh, something is creeping up here. Holy Spirit, please help me. Why am I feeling like this? Why do I feel like grumbling? Why do I feel like gossiping about Sunny? Why is Sunny irritating me so much? Maybe I'm jealous of Sunny. Maybe Sunny's prayer request came through before mine. You know, I'm just using silly examples, but it could be anything. Be watchful about what we are speaking, what comes out of our mouth, our actions and our attitudes. Because the moment I start to feel that, it could be an indicator. Oh, wow, maybe something is going on here. Lord, show me why am I feeling like this? And you know, sometimes we don't even know. We need the Holy Spirit to show us. Sometimes I don't know why I feel like complaining. But then the Holy Spirit, when I go to him, he can show me. It's because I'm disappointed. Maybe the Lord looked, took too long to answer a prayer. Now I'm disappointed in the Lord, and I'm taking it out on everyone around me. Maybe I'm frustrated because what is the root of my frustration? I'm trying to do something in my own effort, and I'm not allowing the Lord to guide my steps. Now I'm frustrated because I'm trying to make it work, and the Lord never said that I must go that direction. That's how you can discern and how you can notice, okay, maybe there's something going on here. And that has really helped me when someone once explained to me that that is a way that I can discern what is inside of my heart. I never knew that the two were connected. Amen? Does it make sense this morning? Is it helping anybody? It helped me. And you know, something that also helped me under this category was having spiritual mentors that I was in close relationship with. I'm not talking about seeing them at church once a month. I'm talking about allowing them to get to know me. I've had many times where JC even confronted me. What's in your heart? 
Sometimes you need someone to keep you accountable. Johannes and I, all the time, we would say, why are you frustrated? What's going on? Let's talk about it. You know, sometimes it's really good to have other people because sometimes you're not even aware of what's coming out of your mouth. You don't realize that you've become negative or you've become disgruntled in some area. Amen? Number three, we need to pull out the weeds when we notice them. Something that I think is a message for all of us and that the Lord has challenged me on in this leadership journey more than anything, it is to forgive and let go quickly. The number one thing for us to learn how to do as believers in guarding our hearts is to learn how to forgive and do it quickly. Let it go. Let it go. Because if I don't forgive and I don't let go, and I'm not talking about there's consequences, there's different things. I'm talking about your general every day today. I arrived at church this morning, and now my fellow volunteer did not move the chair the way that I thought it should be moved. No, it's offended. No, it's a quad. It's not worth it. Let it go. Forgive and let it go. Because the moment I hold on to that offense, the moment I hold on to that little thing, it starts to grow. And unforgiveness leads to bitterness. Bitterness leads to hatred. Hatred leads to murder. You know, it goes on. Learn how to let it go. Forgive quickly. And something that's part of that that I think we're also not really good at. Johannes and I have both had to learn how to deal with this, and I think we're still learning, is you know, we need to upskill ourselves in how to handle conflict. I don't think there's anyone who loves conflict. Is there anyone who loves conflict? But how many of us grew up, like I never grew up learning how to deal with conflict. No one ever taught me from Scripture that it is okay to have a conversation with someone. If Johannes offended me today, we're learning this. Who knows that your marriage is a great place to learn how to deal with conflict? Quickly. So I must learn quickly. Let go. Let go. But that doesn't mean in a relationship like that, we don't have to have conversations. If I keep doing the same thing that frustrates him, eventually he has to confront me in a loving, biblical way. But many of us avoid these conversations. We avoid it. And that's part of allowing it to fester in our hearts. Now I think, okay, I'm just going to keep quiet, I'm just going to keep quiet, but inside of my heart, it's growing, and it's growing, and actually, I'm getting angrier and angrier, because I'm not letting it out. I'm not learning how to handle conflict, or what I also used to do <laughs> is I would tell 10 other people about my frustration about this person. Okay, so instead of talking to the person that actually offended me, or whose behavior, I don't, I'm just using you as an example. Is that Okay. Ja, Maria, ek gebruik hem net as een voorbeeld, hoor. So, um, but you know, sometimes we go and tell 10 other people about our offense. What is that? That's actually leading to gossip and slander. So I'm adding another weed into my heart. Okay, so you need to find a safe place of someone to talk to that, you know, either a counselor or the pastor or someone, but what is the number one thing? Even I tell this sometimes to people. People would share with me, I've got a problem with Sunny. Okay, have, my first question is, have you talked to Sunny about it? No. Why not? No, because Sunny will react this way and that way. Well, we don't know how Sunny will react. When you go and read Matthew 18, Jesus gives a biblical example of how to deal with conflict. 
And Jesus says, when your brother sins against you, go to them in private first. In other words, and I've learned a good thing again is to pray before I do that. And if that person doesn't respond positively, then you can take someone else and say, can you help me? And I think we should do a whole series on conflict because I think all of us need it. We can all get better at that. I, I'm putting my hand up because it, it gets to an uncomfortable place in relationships. But what I've seen is that this is one of the things that if we don't learn how to deal with it, it keeps our hearts hard in certain areas. And that means that when the word is sown, it cannot penetrate. It cannot produce the harvest that God wants to produce in our lives. And so I know it's a, it's a mouthful for a Sunday morning. Nee? It's not a sticky cheesecake. It's maybe some broccoli this morning, but who knows that we need the broccoli to grow. We need it. And, and what is our heart? We want to see God's word manifest in our lives. We sang the song, Lord, I take you at your word. I believe if you said it, it'll be so. So in other words, Lord, teach me how to guard my heart so that I can get rid of the things that choke the seed that you want to sow into my life. I want to see everything that Jesus has for me. And so I, I pray that we will allow the Holy Spirit to come in to help us in this area. And you know what? This is a lifelong journey. This will take us until Jesus comes back. So we're all growing on this. There's no point of arrival. There's just a place of starting and saying, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, please help me in this area. You know, something else that God has also taught me is pray for your enemies. I'm not going to talk about there's obviously boundaries, there's situations where it's not healthy, all of those things. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about the little foxes that spoil the vine every day. The little things that come against us that we can sometimes make so big and that can become the biggest spiritual blockages in our lives. Pray for people who have hurt us. Because you know what happens when we do that? Will they be blessed more than we? Not necessarily. But it will change our hearts. It will remove a weed. And that's why the Holy Spirit said, I've never called you to do this alone. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And you know what? That's why we are a church community church. We're not called to do this alone. Talk to someone. If you're not sure, but you know there is something bothering, there is something going on, talk to someone. Come for prayer. Be in a community where there are other people filled with the Holy Spirit. Very important. We're not yet to get worldly advice, church. I'm serious. We can't get worldly advice for spiritual principles. You need someone filled, baptized by the Holy Spirit to pray with you. That's where we're going to see breakthrough. Because how, how is that counselor going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit if he has no Holy Spirit? But I want to say this as your pastor. That's my job. Amen? Number four, you need to protect your spiritual gates. The Bible says, and I'm almost done, that our eyes and our ears are the two main gateways to our hearts. What we look at... What we listen to immediately goes into our hearts. And so I'm not just talking about TV shows or what you're watching on your phone. I'm talking about, this is where the Lord even spoke to me. Like right now, we're in a season of faith. We're always in a season of faith, I guess. Ne? But I can't, right now, I can't afford to listen to logical, worldly advice as it pertains to maybe trusting the Lord for a new building, for example. I need to guard my heart 
And I need to tune in to the voice of faith. I need to tune in, Lord, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, where are you taking us? You're taking us on a supernatural journey. I can't afford to listen to the world right now. Okay. So I have to guard my heart. When an agent tells us you will not find a property in Vintuk, thank you very much. That's your opinion. I don't say it to them, but in my heart, I'm guarding my heart, and I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. I'm not listening to that because that's not what you are saying. So I'm talking about even guarding what I listen to. Sometimes even when people come and say something to me about someone else. I can't listen to your experience of someone else who offended you because if I listen to you long enough, I will also become offended. And maybe I don't even have a relationship of that person, with that person. Now I'm so offended in my heart already because I've listened to your gossip for 30 days. Now I'm so offended by that person. Do you see how quickly it can happen? So it's very important that we guard our hearts. Guard your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears. Guard what we meditate and think on. Guard what we meditate and think on. Joyce Meyer always says, not every thought you think is your thought. Amen? So in other words, I need to be in the word day and night to know what is the truth and what is a lie. Because even if I meditate in my heart on a lie for too long, it will become a weed. It will become an area in my life. And if I start to think on that long enough, I will become that. I will act that. Number five, and this is the last point, how do I guard my heart? Probably one of the best ways, best disciplines we can go for every single week is hide the word of God in your heart. Let's go to Proverbs 4 again, verse 20. This is the same scripture where Solomon says, just three verses before, he says, My son, attend to my words. That word attend in, in uh, Hebrew actually means to keep, to ponder on, to hide within your heart. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh. I am responsible for fertilizing the soil of my heart by meditating on the Word of God. Because the more of the Word of God that is inside of me, the less those weeds will have an opportunity to grow. The quicker I will be aware of, hey, jealousy, you're not welcome here. Even though the feeling is very real, my emotion is very real, I'm going to invite Holy Spirit to come in and to bring healing in this area. I can't afford to be jealous. I can't afford to be offended right now. I can't afford to be unforgiving towards a brother or a sister right now. I can't afford it. It has nothing to do with them. It's about me and about the seed that God wants to pour into my heart. And so I'm challenged in this season more than ever before to hide the word in my heart, to meditate on every single scripture where God said he is my provider. I need to meditate every scripture that says God is my healer. If I'm trusting the Lord for healing, what healing scriptures am I meditating on? If I'm trusting for provision, 
How many of the hundreds of provision scriptures am I hiding in my heart? Am I meditating on? Because you know what will happen? The more we do that, the more we get rid of those weeds that of unbelief that says, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I'm doubting. And the more the seed of provision will harvest in my life. I will see the miracles that I'm praying and praying and praying and praying for. But the Lord says, I'm waiting on you to hide my word in your heart. Because then the harvest will come. Amen. Why don't you stand this morning? And I want everyone just to close your eyes before I pray for some people this morning. And as I said to you before, this word this morning is for every single one of us. We are all in desperate need in our hearts to have the Holy Spirit come in and pull out weeds that we don't want to allow to grow any further. Because we are all in a place where we are trusting the Lord to do something in our life. We're all in that place where we want to see His seed produce a hundredfold harvest. And I can tell you this morning that Johannes and I, this is our prayer. This is what we pray. We love every person in this church. Nothing burdens us more than when we see people are trusting and trusting and trusting the Lord, but they haven't yet received their breakthrough. And I believe that's one of the reasons that the Lord put this word on my heart, because that's often our prayer, Lord, this person needs your breakthrough. Lord, they need your provision. Lord, they need your healing touch. Lord, they need your miracle. We need your miracle as a church. But Lord, we realize that the soil of our hearts, the condition of our hearts is up to us. You have given us that responsibility to guard and to protect the garden of our hearts. And so this morning, I just want to pray for some people. And I know it's a deep word this morning, but it is a necessary word, and it's a good word for us. And I want to pray if there's anyone in this room that, you know, the first step to allowing the Holy Spirit to be my counselor and to, to come and be the gardener of my heart, I first need to give my heart to the King. I first need to allow the seed of the gospel to be sown into my heart and to become born again. And I don't know if there's anyone here in this room. And if you're honest, no one's looking around. You can't ever remember a time where you've said, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. If you grew up in a Christian church, that doesn't make you a born again believer. My parents read me the Bible, but I never gave my heart to Jesus. Your family can all be Christians. You can be in church every single week. It doesn't mean that you've ever made an actual decision, Jesus, to receive your heart. If there's anyone here this morning and you want to do that this morning, I pray you just want to raise your hand gently and I'm just going to pray for you. If there's anyone here. And why do we do this? We always want to give an opportunity for people to come into the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. There's a second group of people that I want to pray for. And it's possibly going to be all of us. My hand is up. 
if anything that we shared this morning, and I know I didn't name every possible example, but the Holy Spirit moves among us as we share the word. He's talking to each one of us this morning. If you are here this morning and you feel, and everyone can continue to keep their eyes closed, it's just a moment between you and the Holy Spirit. And there is something inside of your heart that you know, you're aware of a weed that has grown in your heart. That even this morning, you feel like God's finger is touching on that one thing. It doesn't have to be 10 things. It could just be one thing. Maybe it's just an offense. It could be small. It could be huge. Maybe it's just an offense. Someone said something that just hurt you, and you can't forget about it. Maybe it is real unforgiveness that you're struggling and battling with. Maybe it's emotional pain at some level that your heart is just broken and is just so hurt. Maybe you struggle in the area of frustration and you feel like things can't break through and you're trying in your own strength to do things. There could be a hundred things. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe you're just so disappointed and it's affected the way that you see the Lord. It's affected the way that you trust people. Or maybe you just feel a sense of pride, you know, where you don't actually want to allow someone to even speak to you. That's why you never come for prayer. That's why you never come for counseling because you don't feel like you can trust anyone to speak into your life. I pray that you would just, no one's looking around, just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Basically, all of our hands are up. And so this morning, I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit will speak to each one of us because all our situations are different. And I want you to just pray after me. We're going to pray a corporate prayer, but I pray that when we go home, we will take the initiative and take that step of sitting with the Holy Spirit this week and asking Him, what do you need to do? Is it a case of repenting about something? Is it a case of laying down something or letting something go? What is that for you? Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that you love us with an everlasting love. Nothing that you tell us to do, even when it hurts, is for our disbenefit. It is for our benefit. It is for our own good. And this morning we ask you, precious Holy Spirit, come and show us where in our hearts have we allowed a weed to grow. We repent of it this morning. And we ask you to come and bring healing in our hearts. Come and show me, Lord, if I need to have a conversation, if I need to do quiet time in this week to come, if I need to go back into the Word again, or whatever I need to do, but I want to bring my heart before you. I want to have a soft heart 
so that every seed that you sow can bear fruit in my life. I want to trust you. I want to hear your voice. I want to be in tune with your spirit. And I submit myself to your leadership. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray over every person in this room, Lord. And my hand is up, Father. Lord, I want to ask that you would, as a church, Lord, that you would continue, Holy Spirit, to teach us how to guard our hearts. Lord, and as we go into this season of faith as a church community, and even in our own lives, Lord, we are continuously walking this journey of faith. We want to see your hand in everything that we are doing. We want to follow your leadership in every area. Lord, and sometimes we don't even know what's inside of our heart, Lord, and we're not calling ourselves to a place of deep introspection. We're just asking, Lord, show us that one thing that is maybe hindering us this morning. Show us just that one thing where you want to touch us and you want to put your finger on and you want to say, my child, can I just remove this from you? Because I want to do something in your life that you have never imagined, that you have not even dreamed about. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would be reminded of your love for us this morning. We'd be reminded, Lord, that you've got a great plan and a great purpose for our lives. Lord, and that you are going to do incredible things inside of us and among us. And we are going to be astounded and amazed at all that you are doing in and through us. And so, Father, I want to pray a blessing over everyone in our church this morning. Everyone in this room and under the sound of my voice. Lord, will you bless them? Lord, would you take them from strength to strength and glory to glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.